Toy Power Podcast is a free podcast made possible by the support of our awesome Patreon sponsors. Head to toypowerpodcast.com and see how you can help. Hello and welcome to Toy Power, the podcast where we talk toys and everything pop culture. Hello, I am one of the hosts here today. My name is Frank and with me today in the virtual Toy Power studio, we have Master Trent. Giddy up. <laughs> Giddy up. Is that a daddy saddle reference? Is that what that is? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah, saddle up. Episode, I can tell you what. And uh, also joining us today is Master Scott. Hello there. Hello there. Thank you, Obi-Wan. Uh, yes, we are joining us today for episode number... Two, five, five. And I'm doing the intro, which I know sounds odd to everybody's ears, but basically this episode is going to have a, a little bit of a get-to-know-you um, in regards to uh, Mr. Hollywood Trent himself. Now, long-time listeners might know that we did this a long time ago, and I looked it up. It's like episode 38 or something like that. So it's literally been over 200 episodes since we did a bit of a get-to-know-your-podcaster-type uh, type thing. So we thought we'd bring it back around. This is the brainchild of Scotty, actually. And, yeah, it's uh, a little bit more in-depth, I think, than the last one we did, which was very uh, uh, superficial, let's say. Well, it was all... I mean, this isn't all toys, necessarily. No, I mean, that's there'll right. be spatterings of toys, but it's a bit, bit deeper, a bit more personal. And, and, you know, I guess listening to a podcast, if you've listened to any quantity of episodes you probably feel like you know us but but maybe missing some of the jigsaw pieces so mm. yeah, maybe that'll fill, fill in some gaps well that's essentially the idea of what we're doing here guys that long-term listeners will be fairly familiar with who you are and what we're going to do here is maybe fill some of the gaps in their knowledge but for the new listeners who have come on board this is an opportunity for them to really get to know you guys the nuts and bolts of who you are what makes you and what got you to where you are as a toy collector today very good we're also going to do uh peacemaker a mm. review uh, now this is a classic brilliant I'm, series i think there's so I'm much singing the theme song already in my head like uh, we, wham, <laughs> the norwegian glam rock to get us all in the mood um, but we'll, we'll do that about halfway through and then a bit of an update on vintage twinline retrospectives before we close out so over to you, Quizmasters Frank and Scott. Right, mate. So what we're going to do here is we're going to start you off with the same sort of questions that we would throw at any guest that comes onto the show for the first time. So, Trent, take yourself back to 10 years old. So that was like what 30 is... years ago, right? Is that yeah, fair? Yeah, that's right. Rub it in. <laughs> 30 years ago, what was your favourite movie? Uh, yes, so I was born in 82. Uh, which puts me, yeah, just shy of just a bit, bit over forty. And look, I, I have to say, for th- for that time, like, you know, acknowledge that I saw Batman '89 in the cinemas, and Batman Returns came out a couple of years later, so that they were all up there. But but re- really, I think for that ten-year-old Trent, it was Jurassic Park. Oh, um, nice. got me into reading novels. I think before that, I I hadn't 
probably read anything other than a comic book. Um, but I love the movie so much. It got me watching, it got me reading Jurassic Park. I read The Lost World before that came out of the cinema. Was a little bit disappointed by that adaptation. But I think, <laughs> you know, I mean, Jurassic Park was sort of the cinema. It was mind-blowing. And it still stands up today, in my opinion, that movie in terms of the digital effects and all the effects in general. But it was a, a move where I think Stan Winston was all ready to go with the practical stop motion effects on that. And then at the last minute, they realized what they could do with some of that. So they mm. used a mix of animatronics and, and CG. But that CG for its time is still absolutely impressive because you've seen some CG that dates. But yeah, that look, that that was sort of, to me, a bit of a game change, a bit of a landmark in cinema and loved it. Loved that film. All right. Good to know. So still in the mind of 10-year-old Trent... What was and this is a this is a big one that we throw at other people. This is going to make you split hairs. What was your favourite single action figure slash toy for ten year old Trent? Look, yeah, it stands out for for that for, for ten year old Trent. It stands out, um, and obviously for you know the the younger version of myself was big into He Man, big into Master of the Universe, big into Ninja Turtles. But that at ten years, it was definitely batman the animated series for me nice um and it would combat built batman easily at that at that time so that that was all i could think about i love watching that show and watch it uh, any opportunity i could get to the tv when it was on i would watch and to me that kenner line was just such a beautiful representation of what those characters looked like you know it was a really accurate authentic kind of figure but still had all the play value and play features built into it like i remember getting two-face and he had a gun that you would spin a dial and it was either safe or not safe yeah and if it was safe you couldn't fire his gun it was a brilliant way to bring (laughs) like in in an action feature into you know the flipping coin into the weapon and combat belt batman had an actual firing grappling hook he had a belt you could handcuff battering rang onto i still remember going to the toy world my local toy world this will actually tie into another question i think you got scotty it's 13 dollars 13 dollars i went into the toy world and and paid in a lot of coins because that was all my pocket money i'd saved up yep yep um but that's how much i i wanted that uh, that combat belt batman i know I'd been more savvy. I would have waited for him to go on sale, but I paid full <laughs> Toy World prices. Thirteen dollars in nineteen ninety-two or ninety-three was uh, a lot of coin. That's that's almost Hot Toys prices now, with, <laughs> with uh, you know inflation and whatnot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, ten-year-old Trent would have had future ambitions, and other than growing up wanting to become Batman, what did you want to become when you grew up? <laughs> well, you know, this is. So I, so spoilers here i became an accountant and a tax accountant at that <laughs> probably probably the last thing on any 10 year old's mind of uh the, the rigors of um tax legislation and, and budget <laughs> and all that sort of thing right thrilling. But, but, <laughs> thrilling stuff for the insomniacs out there but um funny enough I've, I've encountered a few people my career as an accountant that actually as like far back as they can remember wanted to be an accountant and i just found that astounding wow that there, there was this this uh, lady i met you know from four years old that's all she wanted to do was become an accountant huh. got a little briefcase and would go off and you know, calculator and, and, and she fulfilled that dream that was certainly not my dream <laughs> <laughs> certainly not what i wanted to do look i probably had dreams of you know doing something pretty artistic and, and you know like 
Um, I love sculpting and I love painting, so I probably would have loved to become a sculptor, and it would have tied into my my toy passion because I think I would have gotten in sculpting action figures or, or something to that effect. So pro- probably that's what I would have, you know, if I had my time again, that's what you know, ten year old Trent would have dreamed about. But rea- reality check is you you leave school and get into uni, you try and pick something that you think will actually be able to earn you an income. Well, I imagine 10-year-old Trent would have wanted to get paid to build Lego at some point. So, you know, yeah. you can tick that one off. Like, that that happened for a, a, well, a period. Did. Yeah, it did. Well, you know, my, my <laughs> um, in year 12, we had to put in a yearbook quote. And we had to put in a quote, an ambition, and a most vivid memory. Literally, my... My ambition is to become a Lego designer and builder. Oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> I think I put it. It's literally in the. That's when I great. Put that in my Lego Masters application. I actually got a shot, a video shot of that uh, <laughs> pretty horrible picture uh, and, and all that. But it was actually to build for you know the the Lego exhibitions that they had the yeah. around because that was really all I could think of that <laughs> beyond being a Lego designer for Lego Corp <laughs> at Denmark was was actually designing for those big uh, Lego shows. So, yeah, in a way, I've kind of done that now. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. I'm kind of floored that uh, Channel 9 didn't use that tidbit of information from your yearbook as part of Season 2 Lego Masters. Yeah, that should have been part yeah, of your you know season Yeah, because I put it in my video application, and when they came around to do the backstory, I actually got them to shoot it. So I actually brought my yearbook to the shoot. And yeah. we, we did all that. So, yeah, I mean, they cut it down. They cut a day's worth of filming into like 30 seconds. Yeah. So it probably just didn't quite fit the narrative that they wanted to present. I think the toys got, a, <laughs> got first place in that in the toy room. But, uh, yeah, it was a cool, a cool little, you know, full circle kind of thing. Nice. All right, let's move on to the nuts and bolts of our questions. We've established that 1982 was your year of birth. Trent, where were you born? Yeah, so this is this is interesting. It, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a South Australian. I'm from Adelaide. And I think there's something about being born in Adelaide. Like, you either kind of go... It's, it's, it's like a small, uh, small city or a big country town. You can kind of look at it that way. So it has all the conveniences that you need of a city, but it's a, it's a small... We, we sort of probably hit about 1.3 million in population, 1.5, somewhere around that now. Back then, we were probably, you know, scratching at, at a million. And, and probably back then, we were maybe seen by the other states as, particularly the eastern states, so that <laughs> the freshers and the mitches of this world would have, would have seen us as a bit of a backwater and, and probably a bit of a rivalry when the states developed in things like uh, the football yeah. and the the reality game show It's a Knockout that was always very uh, oh, yeah. state-based if you remember back to wow. Knockout um, but, but growing up in Adelaide I think you either want to get out of Adelaide and travel overseas or you just sort of set here for life and so I'm very much one of those ones that did a bit of travel but but love Adelaide and, and didn't ever want to move away so I was actually born in a place called Rose Park which is literally like five minutes from where I live you now <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Like same state, same city, same ten minute radius. <laughs> same postcode. <laughs> <laughs> and it will, it will come back to haunt me in a in a future question. I think you've got there, but um, yeah. Look, it's it's to me great place to live. Really happy here, and uh, but but take all the uh, payouts you can send our way because some of them are very valid. <laughs> Mitch and, Mitch and Fresh are not the sort of people to pay well, out anyone, well, are they? I got, a text, 
I got a text from uh, from Mitch today, looking at places to stay. Yeah. In Adelaide, so he was trying to work out what might be a good spot, you know, for for the Toy Fair, for Brett's Toy Fair, city, somewhere further out, or Snowtown. And it was like, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Snowtown was a, a place where we had an infamous serial killer that um, knocked off a, a fair few people, and they were they ended up. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a sad story, but they ended up in vats in a bank in an old yeah. bank vault so I mean, that's um snow town actually funnily enough my dad his first job teaching is a teacher and uh it was in Snowtown, so he taught there for a number of years so he knew that bank vault um or the bank per se uh, quite wow. well yeah i got a mate buddy of mine who's uh like grew up in Snowtown, and when that all then that whole story broke we all just sort of looked at him and went <laughs> I don't trust you quite as much as I did 10 minutes ago. Like. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. Uh, so you've talked about where you were born. Do you have any fond memories of Radelaide in your early childhood? Or what's what's the earliest sort of, you know, happy memory you can think back to? Oh, look, there's a lot of, I don't know, very, very typically Adelaide moments. One, one that sticks in my head is it's like a, We've got a river, the River Torrens, that sort of runs through at the city. So the city, mm. and, and it's, it's interesting, like if you compare it to, say, Sydney or even, um, you know, Brisbane or, or some, even, probably even Perth to some extent, there's a really good waterfront vibe in those cities, right? Like, you know, Sydney, the, the harbour is just, yeah. you know, the views of the harbour. So Adelaide, just, there was not, like it was a dead zone. It was like almost like a dead part of the city. You had, I think, a couple of restaurants maybe, and that was about it. There was no real life on the, on the waterfront. But there was a couple of boats that would go up and down called the Popeye. And um, <laughs> yes. that was a very, sort of very iconic. These, these you know, large, large-ish sort of river boats that you jump on and they'd go down you know, five kilometres to the, to the zoo and back. And, and that was a real treat. And that, and kind of I have a lot of memories of going down to the parklands around there and, and you know, Throwing the ball or throwing the aerobie that was the, the frisbee wow, back in that there day. it is. <laughs> so and, and and things like probably a typical typical Australian childhood of backyard cricket and you know playing until you could you couldn't see anymore. Like the light had all faded, but yep. you still could you know you didn't want to pack it up. One more, just one more. Playing. Like <laughs> yeah, just one. You get hit in the face, or something. But yeah, and beaches. I remember. I remember this time we we had a holiday house at a place called Victor Harbour where I bought that um, that combat belt Batman and it's a little seaside town about an hour and a half out of Adelaide beautiful beautiful spot it was probably a little bit sleepier than it is nowadays but there was the Inman River that we had a shack that was where the Inman River would come into the the ocean and I went down there like with a couple of mates one day and we were digging in the sand near the river and we're like you know what we could actually take take the river and divert where it's because it's got it's got this big bend as it comes into the thing. So let's just dig. Let's just dig a straight passage. And we started digging, digging away. And we're like, go home and get some shovels. So we went back to our place and we got shovels and we're literally digging all day. And we diverted the Inman River. Came out the ocean. It's like these eight-year-old kids. Just just hilarious. And you know what you didn't know is that that caused an ecological disaster, sort of further downstream. <laughs> but you know, good job you. <laughs> 
Wow. So a big part of growing up in Australia is the summer holidays, and they coincide with the Christmas that we have here in Australia. And most most places will give you from school, you have about a six to eight week break. So for a lot of us, big memories, crucial parts of your life happen during this time off from school. What do you recall as a really positive experience from the, from your school uh, summer school holidays? Yeah, look, I th- those those trips down to Victor, we had family friends that had a shack down there, like my my mum's best friend from her childhood, and they had three kids, a daughter, two two sons, similar age to us, and and that they were like our our de facto cousins growing up, <laughs> and it was it was funny because you know having the fortieth birthday recently, and my friend Lydia, who's similar age to me. Uh, sent all these pictures of us as as kids, you know, playing the backyard cricket and doing all those things you, you probably do with your, your family, friends or your cousins. So we were really inseparable. We'd spend all those summers up there together and just hang out, ride bikes, play sport, all that sort of thing. So that, that, there's some really fond memories. I also had a, a neighbour that lived next door to me, Victor. So when we would holiday, he was a couple of years younger, maybe three years younger, and he would always get so excited when we'd come up to stay and he'd be like asking his mum, like, what, what's the earliest I can go over there? And she'd be like, like just let him sleep. It's like, oh, it's six o'clock. No, 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 come on, maybe make it 6.30. So we'd always get to, like knock on the window, right, at like some ungodly hour. And like we were, I had an older brother and he'd go, oh, I just want to sleep, but I'd be kind of keen to play and we'd go out and, and you know, hit the basketball court or whatever and or I'd go next door and jump on the trampoline, that sort of thing. And then the funniest thing was I, I had... My, my first job, I'd been working at uh, a firm called Ernst & Young for three or four years. Um, and this new grad, you get the graduate intake. So the new graduates would come in and they'd, they'd go around. And, and this guy, this neighbor came in one day and they, they were introducing everyone. They're like, I'd, Mark, I'd like to introduce you to Trent. And his face just dropped and he's just like, it's you. oh my God. I'm like, so here he is in this corporate environment. <laughs> he's being introduced to this manager that's, that's the guy he used to bug. At six thirty in the morning, and he just goes, "Mate, I'm so sorry." The first times I came early in the morning, and just the look on his face. But no, it was like there's something very special about that childhood, that sort of that freedom that we probably used to have, that maybe my kids don't experience, where we just sort of go out for the day. And, the, and, and parents were never kind of blase about safety and that sort of thing. But it just felt you could have a whole day at the beach or a whole day on your bikes, and and um, that's just super, super, because you get up to, to mischief as well. Yeah, yeah, you leave the house yeah, at yeah. 8 a.m. and you don't come back till it gets dark. Like, Well, that's it. You, yeah, you're defined by the, uh, the the sun. And those, mm. Sun up, the and sun like, down. <laughs> pretty much. And, and here, like, we have a thing called daylight saving, which I think some of the other states don't acknowledge as being a thing, and they, they're quite happy to get up at 4 in the morning as the, uh, the sun comes up. <laughs> but we, we, we're a bit... Uh, beyond the, that that kind of approach, and it means you you can get daylight till like nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. So um, it was just a brilliant place to to grow up and have those summer holidays. I know it's different in different parts of the world when you get the, you probably get those holidays in your summer. Mm. So that for us is that that Christmas time. And, and Frank, I know you're a and, and unfortunately we had the tragic news today of the loss of great leg spin bowler Shane Warne, oh, probably one yeah. of the absolute. Uh, legends of cricket mm. um, who, who passed away at the young age of 52 really suddenly, which is just tragic and I almost couldn't believe it. But growing up like in the, in the like sort of 80s and, and early 90s, like to me, cricket was such a big part of the summer. 
Yep. You know, like the one dayers and even the test matches, just yep. the, the fifty over matches. Um, so that that you know that was a very special part. Such a big vibe, big atmosphere around those games as well. So that was I don't know. It's all those memories mixed into those summer holidays <laughs> um, that, that just priceless nice now uh, now one thing that's quite a, a common question in Adelaide when you meet a, a new person for the first time you say mate where'd you go to school now Adelaide as you've said <laughs> not the biggest town you've ever seen to and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a status thing about oh you went to that school did you oh okay um so mate where did you go to high school and as a sort of a two-parter were you a good student or a bad student yeah, oh, well, this is uh, this is going to test me. Um, no, really interesting. For, so, for, so I live in a suburb, right, called Burnside, right, which is uh, for those um, I guess Adelaide has you know east, west, north, south, etc. And there's probably some some generalisations and demographics that go along with this. But to, probably this eastern is probably considered fairly upper class, right? So, so growing up in in the east, I probably you know they're probably get a bit of bit of that flavor right uh, to it so so the, the the primary school i went to which is burnside primary which is a public school but in i guess what you'd consider a, a, a higher socioeconomic area that's where we live now and that's where we send our kids and there are a lot of families where you go oh there's such and such i went to school so that's kind of weird to start with that's adelaide like it's it's mm. it's a bit like that in terms of then high school, I went to a, a special interest music school here called Marriottville. And again, it's a public school, but it, it had a pretty good, when I went there, it had a pretty good reputation. A lot of um, people would sort of wanted to go to that school that, mm. that, that could. Um, and, and we were, but, but then I guess you're sort of surrounded by um, private schools. So we're right next to a private girls' school. Um, so, so that was, you know, and, and we'd play a lot of the private schools in, in sport. And I guess, comparatively, we were always pretty crap. <laughs> um, but, but just on a quick uh, cricket anecdote, there was a story that did the rounds at the school where a couple of guys were practicing in the nets and this old man walked past and they're like, um, oh, you know, you can lift your elbow up to block, you know, this technique or do, do this and that. And I, from, from the way the story was told, they're like sort of, what do you know, old man kind of thing? Don't, don't tell me what to do. And it ended up that that old man was Sir Donald Bradman. Oh, Lord. Of all time, probably in the world. <laughs> job. So he was a local. He was um, hanging around. Uh, he lived in Prospect uh, or around there in his uh, later years. Um, but so, so at high school, I was came into the music program and for the first three years, I reckon I was a pretty good student. Um, I, I got like straight 10 out of 10s for art um, in the first couple of years. And then I probably hit a bit of a rebellious patch <laughs> uh, into year, probably late year 10. And to put, put that on the map, like I did an exchange to Germany and like New, I had spent New Year's of 1997 in Germany and got on the... So that would have put me at like say sixteen, mm. um, fifteen, sixteen, and that hit the uh, the beers and the hard liquor <laughs> so, with the Germans, no less. Yeah, far out, and I was out of my depth. Like so those guys, <laughs> they were like eight. Um, so, <laughs> it was uh, it was a 
pretty rough night. But, but um, <laughs> like, I did okay. I, I kind of regrouped. I, I met my now wife in year 11, uh, and she was a very, very good student. So I think <laughs> it was good that uh, we got together at that time. She's a good influence on me, and I ended up doing you know, okay and then pretty well at, at uni. So I, I don't know. I had a mixed mixed bag of of school i remember one year i, I snuck a bottle of wine from parents pantry back <laughs> to school and me and my mate uh, ditched school halfway through and uh who is this guy chugged, uh, chugged a bottle of wine <laughs> i like your night. style <laughs> it was a chardonnay uh, so. okay not so much anymore yeah. of course it was you're from the eastern suburbs like. <laughs> you're a crow supporter by any chance i am a crow <laughs> There it is. <laughs> uh, mate, you've spoken about art quite a few times. Would you consider that your favourite subject at school? And as a follow-up question, and this is not actually on our question sheet here, Ooh. in high school, most of us are at our peak performance for sports. <laughs> what was your go-to sport? What did you play? Um, yeah, so what, sorry, what was the first part of the question? Favorite subject. Uh, favorite subjects. Oh yeah, art, yeah, it would have been art for sure. I loved art. I did it in year twelve and won the art prize. I know, like oh, when, I was, there you go. when I was on Lego Masters, Hamish was always going on about like geeking in the year twelve maths competition. He won the maths prize, and I sort of like always remember getting that that year twelve art prize. And my, you know, like um, my art teacher was like, you know, you're going to go on and. Um, you know, study art, go to this college of art, blah, blah, blah. And I remember seeing him at a netball game uh, that I just happened to be at. And he's like, oh, so what are, what are you doing now? What have you done in, in art? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm I'm a tax account. And you should have seen the look on his face. It's like he, just, he looked like he'd failed in life. In like, <laughs> you were his protege. Um, you were his best yeah. student. <laughs> yeah. So it's classic. Um, sport, uh, look, I probably peaked – after after high school maybe or maybe in primary mm. school i was uh, tennis was my main sport wow. um, mum wouldn't let me play aussie rules football, so i had to play soccer and i was pretty crap at soccer i think i got into it too late tennis tennis was um my, my game that was my go-to and i remember you know like as a kid take a few lessons right and then they're like okay you're gonna play competition so there's probably like you know eight-year-old trent playing his first game. They just throw you out there. And I, I couldn't even serve, couldn't even really get the ball in. And I just remember getting slaughtered uh, six love. You played up, you played one set. So mm. six love, probably didn't win a point, just absolutely slaughtered. And I learned so much about myself and strategy and, you know, how to, how to like, because I wasn't probably the best player, but I had a good, I think a good sports mind or a good strategic mind for how to exploit weaknesses. Um, and, and like, yeah, I, I love playing doubles as well, but singles was where it was like, it's just you. Like, you've got mm. sport. There's a lot of team sports where you can kind of, okay, he's a good player. Let's get it gone and goal or whatever. This is your, you're on your own. You've got nowhere to hide. Um, and I remember this turning point, this game that I played where I was down five loves and I just turned it around and ended up winning. There were no tiebreakers in this. So you first to six. And I came back and, and, got him at, at six five. Nice. And I just remember that moment of you know, working out a strategy and, and getting the win. And in my last season of, of tennis, I think I 
I captained the team and, and won every game. Oh. And funnily enough, didn't win the, the MVP. I couldn't understand that. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't Ripped understand off. why. Your parents didn't one. slip the voters uh, <laughs> pineapple, mate. That's what happened there. <laughs> exactly. I learned about that the hard way. But yeah, like number one, took the hardest player every game and uh, and picked one every, every one. But um, funnily enough, I think I hit my strides in, in my adult life with indoor beach volleyball. Uh, for a team called the Chug Monkeys, we took out a couple of a couple of trophies at the ICA. And as as I learned, like as you get older and you play sport, it's not about like what division you're in or you know, you know what 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 level or grade you're playing. It's just about what night you play. Like so, I was you know Wednesday <laughs> night, yep. Wednesday night, seven o'clock time slot, the ICA, and <laughs> we we were so shit at uh, <laughs> like we were the we were the worst and and. And like it, it's it's hilarious because I'm not I'm not naturally and my brother-in-law is like he's just one of those guys play any sport gifted got the physique right got the body you know strong athletic type and I remember we'd been playing for about ten years and we're like oh Andrew come out have a have a play with us and I reckon in two weeks he was better than I was. <laughs> <after 10 years. laughs> Nice. All right. Uh, going back to your uh, career, you you said you were you know the, quite the art student. So, well, talk us through what happened uh, right out of school. Did you do the union life? Did you have a gap year? What did uh, what did the the first year out of high school? What did that look like for for Trent? Yeah. So this is interesting. So like, just to give the backstory to this. So my mum, my mum and dad both teachers, right? So mum was an art teacher and dad was a tech studies teacher. So they're both kind of into the you know, practical creating type things. Um, but through my childhood, dad ended up uh, studying. He did some further study at uni and became a uh, like qualified in property and went off and worked in commercial property and then went on to have a career in lecturing. So he went to uni and lectured um, commercial property right up till he retired, right? So he, he kind of then had a, took his teacher's college work and tech study and turned it into a, business degree right so when i graduated high school i had one parent that was arty and into like the creative stuff and one parent that was in business side of things into the university lifestyle and really the advice i got very much you can always do the arts art spare time right but you're going to be much more likely to get a get a job in you know a a well-established say business degree and so that's that's sort of where I ended up going, I went. So, and and the advice from dad was, you know, just don't take a gap year, just get straight into it, keep going, and mm. and, and and get a degree. So I studied uh, a bachelor of commerce and, and business information systems. So it was a double degree, one on the the business side of IT and one on the pure accounting side. And when when I graduated in two thousand and around two thousand and uh, what was it? Three-ish, um, the IT kind of trapped itself. Like there was a bit of a, a you know post two thousand bubble that that sort of burst. So there seemed to be more jobs in the accounting space. So that's just kind mm-hmm. of where I landed. Got in, got in um, to the accounting space, and that's where I've been ever since. So, is it something you yeah. actually like like doing, like the, the numbers and you know making sure things balance out, or is it just something no, that you're good at I've doing? Got, so 
Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not really a numbers person. I don't. And, and in fact, <laughs> says the accountant. I, yeah, yeah. As, well, <laughs> the, the, the work I do is predominantly the, the, the predominant work I do is in uh, legal interpretation, and that I really do enjoy. So taking a uh, a position and then you know find find not not finding loopholes but finding ways to apply that. Um, and and in my role now, like I get free range really into issues. And that's it sounds nerdy and it sounds kind of geeky, but that, that, that is quite interesting. Hmm. Um, the way that the different things can be kind of interpreted and, and implemented, etc. But but I, I've I've had to do the number like I, I I've had roles where it is more accounting based and it is more numbers based, and thankfully I've got. I've always had people to do that. Like I've just been able to be you, more. In the, you go crunch yeah, the numbers. Like just, <laughs> it was just lucky, I guess, in my career that that when I got to the managerial level, is is when I kind of you know, would go into those roles, and, and therefore it was overseeing a team that do that, and it became more about managing the team, and and, and that I can I can do it more easily. But yeah, there, there are people that are just numbers people and mm. they just love that stuff and and you know spreadsheet people and they could do all these magical things uh, in excel and and all this wonderful stuff <laughs> that's that's definitely not how my brain works, you know, <laughs> sure <laughs> all right. so, um, which sorry. one of our illustrious universities did you attend well yeah okay so i went to university of south australia here and and interestingly yeah, so it's probably like if you were to take a cut we've got got three main universities university of adelaide which is considered the most prestigious and they have all the nice buildings historic buildings and like ads and, you know they, they do this ad where it's like we sent you know our our, our um, alumni you know have gone to the moon and, and all this sort of stuff right i think <laughs> julia gillard yeah, Andy yeah. thomas went there julia gillard our first female our prime minister i think might have studied there Correct. as well so like it's very very illustrious and, and very prestigious and um, like I said before, my dad was a lecturer. He was a lecturer at PSA, and he convinced me, you know, through his knowledge of different degrees. Like he'd say, "Oh, you know, University of Adelaide's there," and blah blah blah, and how they approach these subjects. And look, commerce degree is pretty generic, I think, find, and and they're pretty you know, much much. But but he steered me towards University of SA, and that's so that's where I ended up, um, and had a good time there because. Uh, I studied the exact same course as my girlfriend at the time and, and now wife. So we did every subject together for four years. <laughs> so it was all a different the subjects, experience. To, all to, yeah, the subjects. Every so, including <laughs> our elective. In a, we, we both studied psychology because you had to pick a subject outside of your qualification. Um, and we even chose the same subject there as well. <laughs> so every subject, every class, every tutorial be lined up nice um, I'm just conscious of the time Scotty so we're already at sort of like 35 sure, minutes or so so I might sort of skip um, skip some of the, the other questions there let's go yep. to <clears throat> um, alright so you've mentioned your lovely wife Leanne a couple of times uh, obviously you guys got married um, tell us uh, give us a, a tale from the, the early days of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hollywood and you know perhaps a, 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 an early date story um, not too embarrassing keeping in mind she will probably listen to this um, you know tell us about the early days of, of you and the lovely Leanne yeah well we met we met at Maritville uh, and this is an interesting one because 
we had the streams, right? So we had the music stream, which I did from year eight, nine, ten, and then I dropped out of music and converted back into the normal stream. And that's when we met for the first time in year eleven. And so I hadn't. I Your think high I school sweethearts. Yeah, yeah. So that's wow. right. Hadn't had any classes with her. So year eleven, we had home group together, and so I got to know her and her group of friends and I was always sort of a bit of a floater I'd, I'd have lots of different friends that I'd float around with I didn't have one sort of core group that I'd hang around with so I began hanging around with Deanne's group of girlfriends so it was like me and you know, mostly mostly girls a couple of other guys smart fella and, Hollywood uh, yeah. indeed <laughs> <laughs> see I talked about strategy and tennis right? <laughs> yep you've cracked the code <laughs> And so we would um, we would hang out like as a group of friends. We'd go out to the movies, we'd hang out in town, and go around together and that sort of thing. And one time, uh, it came to a, a, a group group date, group friends date, where we were going to go to the another traditional Adelaide icon, the Ice Arena. Right? Uh, so this blue light disco. Oh, yeah. <laughs> could have been could have equally been blue blue light disco. That was the the ice arena, and whatever reason, I think it was just Leanne and I that could make it, so no one else could make it. And um, got there. Well, so we yeah. well I, I can't. <laughs> quite remember, I think probably it was partially partially that, but partially just fell into place. And we're like, we'll both still go. And I remember, like, I this is okay. This is terrible, right? Like, I rocked up my own ice skates right and i and and she she obviously saw that i had my own ice skates i'm like i'm not very good at skating <laughs> and she's like don't worry i'll i'll hold your hand so we just so like Ooh, i think she saw right smoothie my um my 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 lie the... <laughs> yeah, you should have left those at home but um, but anyway yeah i think that was sort of the moment where we we're like okay i think we're kind of like a couple now we can do these things without the the group um and and away we went so like yeah we've been like we had our 17 year wedding anniversary well in fact it's today as we record Whoa, 17 wow. years Congratulations. Yes, so there you go 17 years and then you add on to that the time since we were dating which we started dating in i think 98 wow so yeah it's um it's a, a long time <laughs> together but with super happy and uh yeah it's um it's interesting when you've only ever really had the one kind of yeah girlfriend um, slash wife it's uh i've got like i hear friends you know they'll t- tell stories about their exes or mm. this and that and i've ju- I've, i just can't I, I just got nothing to add in those yeah, conversations right. so i've just got like, i'm just yep since 15 got the had the same uh same partner so yeah. wow now the, the hollywood family has grown over time would you care to tell us about your two boys yeah, so two kids, two boys, uh, birthday season. So um, the eldest just turned nine, and then uh, Robbie's going to turn six on Monday, so in a couple of days. Um, so, yeah, so they're, they're good, great, great value, lots of fun. Um, not as into toys as, obviously, I was. <laughs> they're more the video game types, but yeah. we, we certainly connect over Lego and, like, Mario Kart, all that sort of stuff. So I think it's funny, like, Callum, my eldest, was writing a presentation that he was doing today. And, like, being, you know, like, I grew up with the generation, Frank, you're, you're definitely similar. Like, we, we grew up on video games. 
you know, new new system comes out, you buy the PlayStation Four, you buy whatever, right? So we so so Callum's always just had video game systems in the house, and he's writing this presentation, going, "I like to play Fortnite on my PlayStation Four, and and this and that game on my." You know, and 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 Liam was reading, going, "What do you mean my? This is just like yours." Like, yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's kind of cool that you know we. Because you know, my parents had no interest in video games, mm. right? Like they were, they were of a different generation that didn't grow up with that or weren't interested in it, or you know. And, and I think it's really cool that he's got a dad, or they've got dad, a dad that is into that stuff, and can you can sit down and play those games together and yep. over that sort of thing, you know, like genuinely shared interest. Yeah, it's really we're, nice. We're gonna we're gonna struggle with that with uh, with Jack because Ali does not care for video games whatsoever i'm very much like you trent and i think there was one point where i did the trick of you know here's this controller jack you can play with me and of course it's not connected it's not turned on no batteries in it and so he's pressing button ali's laughing and i was like don't laugh because soon enough is going to come a time when he's genuinely playing a game can't do it and say mum Here's the controller. I need you to finish his level for me, and you're gonna have to step up. Like, <laughs> yes, parenting duty. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Um, sort of final-ish sort of question before we wrap up here, so we can talk some peacemaker. Um, you guys uh, and you and Leanne and possibly the kids, or it might have been pre-kids. Uh, I'm taking how you've travelled, or tell us about any exploring or travelling both around Australia or indeed around the world that you guys have done. Yeah, well, honeymoon to the beautiful Gold Coast and uh, checked out all the theme parks here. So, and, and we traveled like because we've been together for so long. We did all the probably capital cities together and, you know, Melbourne trips, Sydney trips, all that sort of thing. But then we did two main overseas trips. So, one uh, all around Europe. So, we did our first trip was, yeah, predominantly sort of Europe. And then we did another trip um, back where we went to America as well. And I, I was really keen to obviously a lot of the toy sort of stuff and, and Universal Studios and San Diego Comic-Con. So we did all of that, um, which was brilliant. That was in 2011. And then so that she could have her trip, we then went to Europe as well and did like a Europe 2.0 with some more, less of the touristy stuff. So Europe, Europe, Europe 1.0 was all the Eiffel Tower and the, the, the Coliseum yeah, and all stuff those you got to do yeah. landmarks yeah and then like the, the next trip we just did all these little quaint towns and places off the beaten track which is another beautiful experience um, we ended up going well, I've got friends like I said I, friends from my exchange in Germany and funnily enough this guy the, the older the older brother of my exchange student who was my brother's exchange student when he did it he ended up uh, becoming like he created the equivalent of YouTube in Germany, so wow. so he founded he founded German YouTube. Right? It's <laughs> wow. called My Video, and so he went he sold it. But I remember going over there for one of these trips, and he took they they so he he would hang out with, I think he hung out with Mark Zuckerberg. That was kind of wow, like okay, like the you know the level he was playing at in terms mm. of those sort of connections at the time. So pretty influential in that tech space. Um, but he took us to this um, their local beer festival uh, called the Berg, and it's like you know, everyone talks about Oktoberfest, but all these different regions have their own beer festivals. This was in Bavaria, which is in the south, which has a very beer 
focused <laughs> mentality. Mm-hmm. And like to give you an example, my my uh, one of one of my mum's relatives who's from the north of Germany was visiting the south in Bavaria, and she went up to order a beer, and she said, "Look, I'm I'm, I'm I just would like a half liter, please." And the bartender said. <laughs> Come back when you're thirsty. <laughs> Sell her when you're less thirsty. than a liter of beer. Like he wouldn't give her a half liter. Half and liter's not that, enough. That's, wow. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. So we went to this beer festival. It was like a ten day festival. Um and, and the town the town's called Erlangen, which is um I think it has about hundred thousand people that live in it. So it's a smallish town. Every day for the Berg, they got 100,000 people. Jesus. Like, that's how big the festival was. The people would come from, it was like everyone would come home. We talk about summer holidays. That was their reunion time each year. And and I reckon we were there for like five nights. It's just like the most amazing experience. But I remember telling, like, we were just chatting to some random guys that were sharing a bench. And I said, see this guy? He's the founder of my video. And you should have seen, like, the reaction on his face. Because, like, to me, it was just like my mate that I've known since childhood yeah um but 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 i guess he was you know it was pretty pretty big thing but but um so that 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 europe side was was brilliant but i can't speak highly enough of like being able to go over and see like a san diego comic-con in all its glory it's it's um val staples from heman.org put on this beautiful show at an irish pub nearby i got i chatted like with um Bill Benneke or William Benneke from Tell, who was instrumental in like DC Universe Classics. Um, I chatted to Eric Treadaway from the Four Horsemen uh, just after they'd revealed like the Drago Man sculpt. And, nice. and I saw Tim Seeley who doing work on the um, comic books. Like it, just just to hang out and chat with uh, Terry Higuchi, who was the designer. He designed Sidechop, um, you know, in the in the fan votes sort of thing. Um, just to chat to these people. Um, no other probably place for us Australians to go and hang out like other than things like you know PowerCon, LegionCon, mm. all those to to meet the people that are heroes to us in our in our space. So like everyone else be like, oh you know I want to want to see Chris Evans you know as Captain America. I yep. want to see this. I was like yeah I want to see I want to see Will Benneke from, from Mattel. <laughs> I want to see these like, obscure toy designers that yeah. no one outside <laughs> of HeMan.org would know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Nice. All right, just one last quick question to wrap it up, mate. What toy would modern day Trent travel back in time and tell twenty year old Trent to go out and purchase? Ooh. Oh yeah. It would it would have to be scratch. Like that yeah, we talk about the blank evading me and going up in price. Like that scratch I was just thinking about it, I reckon, today or yesterday. And, and this is not uh, I mean it's it's probably like seven, maybe seven years ago, something to that effect. Mint on card scratch came up on eBay in Australia for eight hundred dollars, and I remember going, "Oh, gee, that's a lot of that's a lot of money." And in fact, and I didn't, and it was a buy it now, so I could have bought it now. I didn't. I logged back on like a couple of weeks later. Go, oh, is that scratch sold? The guy had taken it down, bumped it back up to one thousand two hundred. I'm like, "Oh, that's ridiculous." I'm not. Yeah. And I've just watched it go up. You know, I remember seeing it at Lobos for I think three thousand. Um. And then and even saying, like, even that was two years ago. And then, like, to think, I don't even want to know what it yeah. sort of priced at now. But that that is one I would have loved to have, have grabbed at that point in time where I've gone, I know it's expensive. I know it's a lot of money. But if I don't 
right now, it's just going to be unobtainable, mm. um, which, it, which to me, it's in that category now. Like, I don't think I'll ever get a mint on card scratch now. Like, it's just, it's not worth it to me now. Like, it's not worth $5,000. It's just, you know, I mean, that's just me. It's silly price. I mean, it's funny because we spoke earlier, of, sorry, in... Um last week's episode about uh, Sergeant Bananas and how for you he's a bit of a too deep a cut and stuff um, my recollection is right Scratch comes later in the line so and doesn't really appear I think he has one appearance in a very late run episode of the of the show is so for you is that a, a mystique part of it because it is just so rare you want it or is there some sort of attachment to the character itself it's a bit of both. What what it is for me, first and foremost, is I love the design of the character. Like I'm a, I've always been a cat guy, so I've always loved right. cats. And an anthropomorphic cat in any form is is always going to be appealing to me. And and I think it's a very clever figure. Like may, maybe a bit overt, I don't know. But from, from my childhood sensibilities, a, a prison breaking cat with nine lives and a you know a pigeon mate. Mm. You know, it, yep. it, it just it speaks to me as a as a toy. And, and then that's enhanced, obviously, by the fact it, it's rare. And it falls in a category. I probably, like, I, I, want every, I want one of everything up to that kind of 93, 92, yep. 93. And, and he sort of falls into that, that sweet spot of where I think, like, even Sergeant Bananas, yeah, he's obscure. But he's a must-have for me because hmm. okay. he's, a, he's a discreet, unique character that looks cool. Um, and, and, and so that, that's probably where it comes from. I know, I know a lot of people be like, oh, he's got no movie no tv tie-in so there's not a lot of connection and um, but for me the connection comes all in that sort of in that aesthetic from the toy and, yeah yeah he's a cool toy and yeah there's a bit of mystique around him as well absolutely all right fantastic well done mate got to know a whole lot of things about you there i hadn't previously known frank Strap in two weeks' time. It's your turn. Oh, it's my turn. We, oh, Under oh. the hot lights, strap to the chair. All right. All right. It's, uh, yep. Same questions, right? So I can I can <laughs> prep my answers. No worries. Oh, I'm not creating all new questions for you. <laughs> I'm not that special. <laughs> all right. With that said, thank you very much for that, uh, Scotty. Scotty put largely put those questions together. So well done to you, mate. And uh, well done to Trent for uh, your past. You know, you, oh, you, good. you, you did well. <laughs> you, you said all the correct answers. Uh, we're going to move into our next segment. segment and normally I would play a, a certain piece of music for that. But I'm going to change it up here today. <laughs> do you really want to, do you really want to taste I can visualise what's happening on the screen in terms of the dance routine because I've watched it that many times. Oh, uh, there's dead set like articles on, you know, Collider and all this sorts of stuff about just about the intro here's 10 things you didn't know about the peacemaker intro like it's uh it's ridiculous apparently james gunn's notes when they were you know scripting all this stuff is yeah yep my aim with this intro is so people do not press the skip intro button on netflix like and you go mission accomplished mate like you nailed it We are, of course, talking about Peacemaker, the uh, John Cena-led show uh, that spins out of the Suicide Squad movie. Uh, we've all seen it, and we're just going to go through some sort of high-level thoughts. Probably, oh, look, we're going to talk spoilers because it's it's that it's been around long enough, and it's, it's very very bingeable. 
um, if you want to catch up. So, going around the room, what are we... Uh, just overall impressions, anyone? Who, who wants to start us off? Well, it's, it's typically James Gunn, mm. right? Like, it's a very... Um, it's got a very dark kind of streak to it, but it's 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 always done in jet. Like there's always it's fun to be had. Mm. Like it's a to me this is a comedy first, and and sort of a superhero action adventure you know, sort of second. And, and to me, like the, I, I like the Suicide Squad. Like I thought it was good. I had some complaints with some aspects of it, but I think what he's done here is taken a, a ridiculous character, right? Like and John Cena plays it brilliantly, but like a character that, that wants to do good, but that has all these, these flaws and these ridiculous points of view and, and just his interactions with kind of like normal people or just trying to have a normal conversation about the operations and, and you get fixated on something that's so irrelevant and so frustrating for the chain of command, <laughs> right? To have to deal with him. And that just creates for some comedic gold. And then you throw in, Vigilante, who I never thought, I love him. Like Vigilante is probably yep. like my second favorite character in this. Just an absolute, again, idolizes Peacemaker and wants to do the right thing, but is just so kind of damaged and and is a sociopath. Oh yeah, has no remorse or you know, like when they talk about you know, we try to kill the bad guys. Sometimes we get it wrong. Like it's just so yeah. blah. Like just, oh, we accidentally kill people who may not be as bad. Oh well. Like <laughs> he's just so blasé about it. Um, Vigilante in particular. One of the things I read is that a lot of the scenes of him in the suit is actually another actor. There was um, a bit of a changeover. I don't. I don't know who the original actor was, but they uh, filmed literally eighty percent of all the those scenes. And then there was some point in the script where this actor went, "Uh, uh-uh, that's a bridge too far for me. I'm I'm out." And so they brought in uh, the guy who currently, and I couldn't tell you his name either. To be to be fair, um, who we now know as Peacemaker. So they had to reshoot. You think of any scene where Vigilante has his mask off? They had to reshoot a good 80% of that. Um, I now can't picture anyone else in, in that role because I think he, he nails it so incredibly well. (coughs) Sorry. For me, the, um, I watched the first episode and obviously the, the intro gets you fired up and I got so caught up and so dazzled by the intro. I, lost myself in the first 10 or 15 minutes of the show (laughs) and by the time i got to the end of the episode i was a little bit thrown by what i was watching and i i didn't want to immediately jump in and watch the next episode i actually took a week off before coming back and starting to watch the show again and i don't know what it was that threw me off in that first episode but once we got into the second episode the story started to flow Things made sense. The intro is obviously there again to get you hooked. And we motored through the whole season in in two nights. Mm. It was actually quite wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. How does it how does episode one end? Is it with him putting on the helmet and sending a sort of 
shockwave as onto an attacker. Is that how? Yeah, I think so. That's where he yeah, yeah meets that uh, lady friend, and uh, yes, it ends in a, a a bloody mess, and they're just like, <laughs> "What is going?" And then ends at roll credits, and you're like, "Wow, that's you know." And to your point about James Gunn, you, you think of all the uh, co- comedic effect and the the shock value that you might get from you know the Guardians of the Galaxy. But just with a lot more swearing, hyper violence, and and you know, in some cases, nudity. Like, it's 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 James Gunn unhinged, effectively. Like he's got no limits. Whereas Marvel, he's got to play in their sandbox. This is DC going. Yeah, it's Peacemaker. We you know we haven't given you Batman. There's no rules with Peacemaker. Go do whatever you want. And they probably weren't expecting it to be quite as good as it turned out. Yeah, there's there's so many of those typical James Gunn moments. Like, there's one where they they're, they're sort of going to investigate this plant where they can they make this food essentially for the butterflies, and, and I could see it cut. Like, I could I can see you know, like Peacemaker brings in this. He's got the gun. He's all armed up, and they're like, you know, you're going to be cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be cool. <laughs> and then the first person he just blows him away. It's like this random sub- <laughs> what appears to be a civilian. He just blows him away. And 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 of course, you know, he's got the X-ray vision on, so he can see that okay, they're a, they're a bad guy. But we you don't know that as the audience at that point in time. And, and and it's weird because watching that, I reckon like I picked every kind of one of those moments. You can see how he's going to write it. Yep. Like, and, and that's not taking anything away because it is. It, me it's comedic gold you know like eagerly in, in one of the final sequences where like this whole bond between eagerly and, and peacemaker and you kind of buy that there is this real bond mm. but he's talking to a, an eagle at the end the eagle can't end. understand and you yes like, he can he can't, yeah <laughs> and they'll call him on it and he's like no 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 of course eagerly take the helmet fly it over there and, and again you know <laughs> didn't exactly do how it's gonna play out right? <laughs> it's gonna go wrong but but it sucks you in for, yeah. for, okay, we're going to play it straight for a bit and then, you know, divert it. And there's, there's so many of those moments that... Like, the one that the one that got me was the you know they're going the the heading towards the final battle. Here's the three helmets that are gonna help us. And this one is that what human torpedo and you're like, yeah, and that's yeah. Uh, I think one of them self destructs or whatever. So they're left with that one, and you go, and I called. I said to Ali, I was like. They're going to human torpedo the big uh-huh. cow. Like, that's what's going to go straight through the guts of him. And then, as yep. soon as I saw that, um, who was the character? Um, Adabayu. Adabayu. As soon as I saw that she had it on, I was like, oh, no. No, oh, no. <laughs> and it was just as disgusting as I'd sort of feared it would be. It was uh, brilliant to watch. <laughs> but it's so good because up to that, they're planning like they've got, he's got one that can levitate. Yep. <laughs> and you speak the command and it levitates and they're going you know we'll levitate over and place the, the detonator one on and then you know she uses the command and you just watch this thing just levitate away <laughs> it's so it's so brilliant it's just so it's so funny like that I think um, it was also good to see John Cena have a bit of range as opposed to just being the, you know, the, the dumb, roided out sort of hero. He, There was the, the, the storyline about his dad and how his dad is an out-and-out villain, like Nazi-level type villain, basically. And that how just how that messed him up. And it's not a... 
it's a half justification for why he is able to kill people without a whole heap of remorse. But you see that sort of change in him coming through the series and stuff. And there's flashbacks to that key moment in the Suicide Squad where he kills mm. um, Rick Flag. Um, and yeah, uh, leading into season two, his the impact his dad had on his life seems to be a bit of a, a thing going forward. So... Uh, you know, one of the questions we had in our little run sheet here was um, breakout star from the show. I, it seems weird to say, but I feel like it's John Cena for me. Like, he's gone from, he's done what very few wrestlers, because that's where he originated from, very few wrestlers have done. Perhaps The Rock's the only other one that springs to mind. And Dave I f- Batista, I reckon. Batista, that's he a good put, one. He, he's got some yep. serious acting chops. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's made oh that transition. We've got to put Hulk Hogan in. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, as well. Santa <laughs> with muscles. No Shut way, brother. <laughs> what a great film. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like he's made that leap from yeah. uh, an actor, uh, uh, sorry, a wrestler into an actor. If that makes sense. Oh, definitely. There's some emotional weight. Well. And, and I think to be successful in this trail. In those moments, you needed some some gravitas. You know, to, you needed to get that sympathy across. Because um, Gunn's great at that. Like for all its its quirky, funny moments, you do need the heart, and you do need to like ultimately, you do need to feel for these characters. And mm. I think, um, like you know, having out of bio, having Amelia Hardcore, couple of, like having the T, and even the what's the name of the um, kind of programmer guy, Die Beard. Oh. Um, <laughs> That's what I just know. Like that, that to me, that the heart that that kind of created, and then the um, conflict that Adebayo, you know, her mum being Amanda um, Waller, yeah, Amanda Waller, and direct, directing everything, and then, but, but she never wanted to kind of plant the journal and and create mm. a team, and then when they find out, it's like um, how <laughs> how. Um, Peacemaker just kind of like shuts her down, and and Vigilante's got got her back, and then yep. you know you find out at the end that, that next to Eagley, she's his best friend. Yep. Don't tell, don't tell Vig. Yeah, um, it, it's there's a lot of that really nice heart to it, which which I think you know levitates it and and, and keeps it you know on another on another level that of of interest and engagement. Mm. So. Yeah, I feel like it's taken a bit of the edginess that we saw with Titans, which was, you know, the F Batman sort of shock value, but it's got it's got more heart than than a show like Titans does for me. Yep, Frank, I agree with your uh, review that John Cena is a standout for the show. I've been a fan of wrestling WWE for twenty years, and John Cena's been the face man of the company for the last 15 years mm. and he he was a workhorse that man did everything that was asked of him and he worked hard and he was relentless and he got the results in WWE as a result and he has clearly transferred that work ethic that ethos into acting and his range in acting his portrayal of this character was so far beyond my expectations of this guy's going to be wooden. It's going to have no range. Mm. I was on board with him and I took the journey throughout the show with him. He did such a great job to engage me as a viewer. I forgot about him as 
the wrestler. He's no longer John Cena, the wrestler. It, to me, he's now John Cena, the actor. He's evolved into the next stage of his, you know, his entertainment life, essentially. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like it, it, the fact I didn't notice it, and at any point go, oh, it's an, it's a wrestler trying to act. I mm-hmm. never thought that. Right, it was seamless. I'm like, he's just, he's doing what everyone else in the show is doing. And until you've said it, like I didn't think it would be like if it was an issue, it would have stood out, right? Like mm. it would have been really noticeable. The fact that I didn't even think about it means he's done an absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. job because that uh, like you, 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 i mean you don't have to go far back to see something like dolph lundgren who had yeah. been picked out as a bodyguard i think he was a bodyguard for grace jones and he got picked out of doing that role to be in the first the rocky film that he was in rocky four or whatever right and then he goes into masters based on the physique and he can't act yeah right? like it's so no like it's it's so bad and it has such a and it's got a quality now that we can kind of look back and laugh. But really, in terms of the performance, he's a leading man, and he and, and Frank Langella steals the show, right? Mm. Rightfully so, because there's mm. a, a trained professional at his best, and and you can't. And I mean, poor guy just couldn't didn't have the you know, the, the chops to to do it at that time. Mm. So, never so yeah, a chance. No, no that's, <laughs> this is a different set of circumstances, like yeah. say. But kudos to John for, like you say, putting in the hard work. And getting it to to a to a level that is is flawless, right? And I love the 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 camaraderie between the team. You know, when they're particularly there's the there was the, the outtakes at the end of every episode where they'd take a scene that you saw in the show, but it was an extended take, and it's usually involved you know one character hurling insults at another or just extending out on something on a gag that didn't need to be extended out on but that was your your post credit scene at the end of each thing and it wasn't I kept waiting for them to break I kept waiting to hear the cast and crew laughing in the background but it wasn't it was literally you go that extra 30 seconds could have been in the show like yeah. it was that well done and I think one of my favourites is, is John Cena where he's literally getting stuck into Vigilante calling him this and that or no there's a bunch of names where he's just gone oh yeah, the, you, you pick my pick my dad you, 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 you he picks his dad and he's like he goes through all the here's a list uh, of people you could have picked that weren't my dad and it's just like yeah. random celebrities and I, I sit there and go <laughs> I, I want to believe he just did that like James Gunn yeah. said here's three names to get you started go yeah. just go for as and, long and, as you can like, <laughs> he gets on a he gets on like a theme and then just rolls off five names from you know like he might pick a movie and then he'll just pick yeah. the actors or the his characters Mickey Mouse his Minnie Mouse like, yeah. and then he just yeah. jumps to something totally you go how did he land there okay we're yeah. running with that like it, 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 that is one of my favorite scenes it's just it, it just summarizes that um his character and and how difficult he would be to work with like he's just, he's like, he just rubs it in for like three or four minutes non-stop yeah there's hard. there's a great behind the scenes a proper gag reel um of the making of the show and you can just see not just with john cena but all the other guys are having so much fun making this show and i think no sooner had the finale aired than it was confirmed that they're they're locked for a season two like it's been you know green lit and stuff so yeah i think there are um a lot more uh, peacemaker adventures to come which is maddening to say when you think about it where you go out of suicide squad we get the peacemaker show that's not something you would have pegged going into going into that movie i don't think 
No, not at all. Not at all. What? So, guys, is there any predictions for a season two? Anything you'd like to see? I think it's clear. I think his dad is going to be the the sort of undercurrent of the show. You've got, um, and I don't know the actor's name to be completely honest, but he's Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick, thank you. Um, you know, he's quite an established actor compared to uh, all the others and stuff. So, I was I was quite shocked when he got killed off the way he did, and then I was like, okay, so he's he's still in Peacemaker's head. That's that's going to be a huge angle. Um, I think it's going to be quite confronting for for you know people who have been through perhaps you know abusive type relationship things and i I kind of look forward to them delving into that um i'm gonna say amanda waller plays a bigger role you know she's always been this bit part you know she was in the suicide squad a little bit um but i want to see her you know it's her, her daughter's basically betrayed her this whole team has gone rogue. She's not going to take that lightly. This is Amanda Waller we're talking about. She's going to... She could very well be the... I'll call it now. She Amanda Waller is the villain of season two. Hmm. Okay, very good, very good. Trent? Um, look, there's so many directions. I'd love to see, you know, like, like Vigilante bringing him in and establishing... I, I, I never saw... I think he was in Arrow, so I never saw the take on Vigilante. It's not a take I would have kind of seen coming mm. but now that I've seen how his character was portrayed I wouldn't want him any other way and I'd love them to explore a few other characters from DC Universe in their own James Gunn style I think that would be really cool um, you know they had a character Judo Master who you know, created a lot of funny kind of moments there was a lot of banter um, with him and obviously his, his stature but he was you know badass as well um, so I'd, I'd like to see more of, of that. Who knows where the uh, story would go. I mean, I think James Gunn really wrote this because he was bored. And he wrote <laughs> it really, really quickly, like um, in 10 days or something, wow. right, which is insane and just tells tells you a lot about him and, and his uh, eight weeks. He wrote it in eight weeks. Still is is amazing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it'd be, I'd be interested to see what he can come up with maybe now that he'll have a bit more time <laughs> and a bit more invest, budget and stuff. Maybe get, yeah. Yeah. Get some, some, some support. Mm. I, I feel that the character selection for season two is going to be pretty crucial that vigilante had a really good run throughout this season. But what I'd like to see is a new character sidekick character come in to work with peacemaker. And in my head, I can picture plastic man, having those oddball characteristics (laughs) the 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 crazy things they could do with cg and a character like these they could do (laughs) these days and the situations and the scenarios they could create would be off the off the chart it'd be insane amount of inventions that you could have with those two and the the trouble when the catastrophe they could cause 100 percent. and i think that's where like this if they let him if they let him play in that sandbox which they're going to let him do that to vigilante then it makes sense that elongated man or plastic man you know like those those sorts of characters surely they, this is their time right yes to, to, and yep. like you said with the character of plastic man i think would be a a really good fit i think there'd be a lot of tension between his yes. background sort of being a criminal you know um first and foremost would really i guess because peacemaker doesn't really see himself as the criminal no, he sees himself as a hero. guy. 
as yep. the hero, the upstanding character. And that, like that scene in where where that the, the janitor gets him to come to the school. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> just, and then there's the little girl like, you know, did you know a, a Debbie? I think it might be my dad. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> hey, let's see where he's talking to the kids and he points to them and he addresses them by their <laughs> by their characteristics. characteristics. <laughs> you four eyes, like. <laughs> oh, hey, look. Speaking yeah. of getting to play in the DC universe, how about that that end credit or finale ending where we got uh, Jason Momoa and um, oh, what's his face? The Flash guy. Flash. Ezra Miller. Ezra yes. Miller. That's the one. Thank yeah. you. Um, and I think well, Gal wasn't there, but it was like a stand-in for Henry Cavill. And well, Henry Cavill's up in the air, but Gal Gadot had a stand-in. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was one of those things when I, I I sort of saw it, and you're like, oh wow, and you go, oh, okay, yeah, in the shadows, and then all of a sudden it's you know the actual actors, and you're like, okay, two out of the four, really. And I was like, damn, that's. You know, I, I feel like it's one of those things that Gunn probably had in his back pocket, and then when that when it was when he showed the you know seven of the eight episodes to the execs, they went, "All right, yeah, we'll give you we'll give you some of the Justice League. This is amazing." <laughs> yeah, oh, kudos to pull that off because that was like you say. I was expecting it all in shadow, but yeah, to get to get some interactions was was really cool. I think you, you can't round out this discussion without mentioning eagerly i think yeah yeah he he is the, like a legitimate sidekick character to peacemaker and he steals so many scenes like um and, and he's cool like he, he helps him out in times mm. you know like always delivers some dead rodent try and cheer him <laughs> up <laughs> and it's see uh, I, I was confused it's cg right it was it, yeah, it was predominantly it's CG. Bloody good yeah. CG. Like there's very I was yep. looking for it trying to yep. trying to pick it apart, but you go, Do you know what? I'm I'm buying that there's an actual eagle on set. Mm. Like it just yeah. looked that good. Oh, I wonder like obviously a lot of the scenes they just couldn't have practically done it with a real eagle. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't have him in the back of a car, surely. Guys, um. guys, he's he's hugging me. He's hugging me. <laughs> yeah. Um but but it was just, it was brilliant for Peacemaker to have a character that just kind of loved him unconditionally. Yeah. Like, you know, it was just, he, he, they were just like, yeah, best friends. It was just so, <laughs> so bizarre, but so, so kind of heartwarming at the same time. Absolutely. So, guys, do you want to give this a score out of 19? Oh, yes. Um, oh, look, I had, to your point, Scott, you know, when once you start it, once you get in, you just, you rip through it in, in two to three days. We're at the point where we're going, it's about time for a rewatch, right? Like, it feels like forever since we finished it. Um, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go, oh, I look at this and go, why would I take points off? I'm struggling to find a reason to deduct, you know, work backwards from 19. Um... No, I can't. So it's it's a nineteen for me. Like it's just it had everything I wanted. It's it's superpowers. It's 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 action. It's it's funny, and it's got that bit of heart. It's it's a nineteen. Yeah, yeah. I give this a seventeen. Like a strong. I don't, I'm, everyone knows I'm a hard mark. <laughs> um, to to your points, Frank. It, it kind of had everything. What what I what I say about superhero television? I think Disney's Disney's nailed it my mind right like disney with their television you know we're watching hawkeye and we're watching 
you know, um, not not Agents of Shield, the um, One Division and One Wonky. Division, like like they're they're getting it right, and and it's cinematic tie-in, it's cinematic quality. We're getting all the big actors, and they've now DC. I've had a check. Like I love my DC, but I've had a checkered history with trying to get into their TV shows, and I haven't been able to do it. There's not one show that I've been able to stick with and watch it throughout its entirety which which i feel i feel like a bad dc fan <laughs> that i can't watch the tv right or i haven't been able to watch the tv like yeah. i've tried gotham i tried you know, i tried i tried every pretty much every dc show i tried to give it a go arrow all that and i just lost interest mm. this this one i wanted to watch as soon as it came out i just wanted to keep watching it, it was funny uh, it was it was well produced it was it was you know didn't take itself too seriously um, so it wasn't this this sort of dry, um, hard to get through. It was just mm. entertaining, and it had a wonderful soundtrack. Like the the music was a big part of it, yeah. the intro scene, but also a lot of the music throughout. Um, so it was just such a an enjoyable, fun take that ticked all the boxes, and it sort of renewed my faith in maybe you know DC properties being done in TV format. All that, and it's still only a seventeen out of nineteen. Woof. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tough, aren't I? <laughs> so for me, this ticked all the boxes that I'm looking for in superhero television. DC surprised the pants off of me here. This is not the journey I was expecting, and I was very pleasantly surprised with the result. Um, this is the second superhero television show, the other being Invincible, that I've watched over the last 12 months that have just been exactly what i wanted i'm gonna give this out of 19 uh 17 nice nicely done very good all right well um just before we wrap up here we've got uh just a little bit of uh feedback we did uh, our first sort of uh vintage toy retrospective in a little while uh just recently this year and honestly it got a lot got a lot of positive feedback not just from our patreons but sort of interactions on our socials and pages and um so we're going to put a bit more of a focus going forward on those look we love doing the vintage toy retrospectives but at the end of the day we can't possibly be experts on going on deep dives on all the different toy lines that people want to hear about so we've sort of put it to our patreons on the discord and said hey give us a line if you want to contribute either in in writing or hell come on the show um and so we can start doing a little bit more of that so just to let you know they are coming um you know stay tuned and we can hopefully cover a line that you want to hear or hell if there's something that you're really passionate about get in touch with us and maybe we can uh, we can work something out yeah and we we've got some beautiful toy lines lined up i think there's some crackers in there um that when people meet i'm like oh that's perfect kind of thing so i'm super excited i'm super excited to get you guys on like to get the, the fans um fans of this stuff on that can talk to this stuff you know probably better than we can for a lot of some of these niche lines that we're not experts in so i'm looking forward to hearing it from you guys um and and um chatting so can't wait for that segment so thanks frank for starting to tee that up absolutely all right and with that said thank you very much for joining us thanks to all our patreons on the discord we appreciate your support and your banter um it's all great fun 
Um, hopefully we will be out of isolation and all this horrible uh, recording remotely thing that we're doing for our next episode, but we'll see what the world has in store for us. Thank you to uh, Trent and Scott for joining us, and we will see you around the toy aisles. And until next time, good journey! You can find the Toy Power team at all the usual online places. Facebook.com slash Toy Power Podcast. At Toy Power Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Or have your say and email us. Toy Power Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to the show on both iTunes and Stitcher. And please leave us a review. Otherwise, we just assume we're awesome. Oh, oh.